here. You are on Turmeric and Tequila, where we work to inspire positive, radical social evolution, one gracefully disruptive conversation at a time. This is the third installation of PodMax 2, our third interview with the Chris Larson. He is the author of Next Level Income. He is he has his MBA. He's a longtime real estate investor. Uh, this is a phenomenal conversation. We even kick off with a little bit of CrossFit conversation. You're welcome. Uh, or bear with us if you're not a CrossFitter. <laughs> we get through it. Uh, but we talk about integrity, investing, how to really build long-term wealth, um, saving at an early age. If you're a parent looking to teach your kids about saving, this is a great one. Um, he, he talks about how he uh, works with savings and, and allowance and whatnot with his own kiddos. So this is an awesome one. Again, finance and money focused on these three casts from PodMax Live number two. Uh, this is the angle of, like I want to say, midlife and then how we're talking to our young humans around finance. So lean in, parents, this is great. Young kids start saving that money and really then learning how to invest it beyond savings so you can really get wealth and generational wealth. Um, things are happening out there. Enjoy this one. Cheers. Get that paper. Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila with your host, Kristen Olson. Questioning a better way, one gracefully disruptive conversation at a time. Welcome to Turmeric and Tequila. Uh, good news. We oh, have you got it. Book, yes. Um, welcome, Christopher. Thank you. Who am I, Chris or Christopher? You can call me Chris. Um, tell us, I, I want to hear about the journey or anything, but how did you get this to me? How did, did you, was it from the last PodMax or what was the, connection? it was the last PodMax. I think we did a, I think we did a networking at the end. We were talking about, I might've had a beard even. Oh, um, I'm pretty good with, I'm bad with names, but I'm good with faces. We and, did. We were talking about how I put turmeric in my coffee in the morning oh, it's all coming back to me when i saw the yeah. email i was like i'm 100 percent into this and i thought the name looked familiar but then i was jogging remember i'm like have i met this person so we're, we're good thank you for that yeah. <laughs> when i was reading ahead here and um i, I didn't get it. this is all kind of spur of the moment coming into this one i wasn't supposed to be able to do it today but i i was able to jump in um but yeah i remember now last time you uh you do crossfit too yes. so my wife yeah, yeah. my wife and i have been doing it um, I started in 2013 as kind of an adjunct to cycling. Okay. But yeah, my wife's gotten really into it. And um, that's awesome. You've gone to the games. Yeah. Well, this was back in 2011. My last competition was, I mean, around the games was 2014, I want to say. And I yeah. went back to as an individual um, to regionals. I didn't make the games that year. But yeah. um, it's a whole other level now. It's pretty. Oh, it's incredible, it's isn't it? Insane. And you're in, you're in Colorado. Is that right? Yeah. I'm in Denver, okay. but I trained at Front Range CrossFit, which is technically Denver, but it's really like right outside of Aurora. Um, yeah, yeah. Like, basically, the traffic at this point, it was an hour away from my house. Um, Ooh, so, yeah, that's that's tough. Where do you guys? That's tough. So we're we're in Asheville, North Carolina, okay. and we go CrossFit Asheville was the first CrossFit gym here, and we've been going there. Um, Shauna, Shauna, um, what does she go by? Um, oh, Averson or something. I still. Sorry. Was it Shana? Shana Shana Duvall. I don't know what she goes by now. She was on the Phoenix Rise. She left here and went out to Phoenix and was on the Rise. Um, And then uh, Kate. um, Kate used to be the backup player for Hope Solo on the soccer team. Kate. She lives right up the road here, and she. um, What is her name now? She got married, but Kate Miller. But I. I don't think that's what she competed under. 
but Kate went to the games. Shauna went to the games. Okay. Um, uh, had no, we have a master's athlete. She's fifth. I think she's 50 plus now. She okay. went to the games. Um, it's the I'm not, Amazing. I'm not, yeah, I'm, I'm not built. I'm not built for CrossFit. I was 100, 148 pounds, six feet tall racing my bike. So I put on 25 pounds, but Dude, you'd be great at the muscle ups, anything body weight. That's and wall balls, rowing. That's all going to be good stuff for you. Yeah, I did the, I did the onboarding and Shauna's there and she's like, all right, hop on the rower and go like 90% and do a 500 meter. And I, I hop off and it was like 132. And she's like, you just broke the gym record. And I said, I did. I said, you told me to go 90%. I said, come on. So yeah, that's, that's kind of anything like that is, is good for me. But, um, well, now it's, any, anything over my head's a, a disaster. Well, that's why the teams are cool though. Cause then you can like put staff people cause so, I mean, yeah. most of us are built for certain things. Um, we probably would have been good teammates cause I love like the heavy lifts. I'm built to like dig holes and move rock and that's <laughs> nothing. Gymnastics is genetically my forte. Yeah. Uh, we learned it, but no, but at this point, yeah. you know, joints, knees, like we're just here to take care of the body and be healthy. Exactly. Exactly. Um, well, I'm excited to be on here. Cause I, I, again, I remember, I remember having a conversation. I was like, I was like, Oh, she seems really, really interesting. I'd like to learn more about that. And the, the, I don't know if it was the turmeric or the tequila or the barbell that, you know, what are, what are got me interested. And I love that you see barbell. That's so hilarious. Cause it's actually two T's, but every one of my fitness humans sees. Oh yeah. Barbell. And that's, no, that, that it, ironically it kind of works cause it is, I'm mostly fitness and wellness based. Um, yeah. Uh, but that's, that's so funny. Uh, so somehow that worked out, but, but no, I pumped and I, I love, tell me if you've seen this, um, similarity. I love the community of the podcasting world. And it reminds me so much yeah. of CrossFit and like the CrossFit humans. Yeah. Um, you know, we have our D bags here and there, which is fine. And I, <laughs> perhaps that happens in podcasting as well, but sure. it's, it's been, it, the just communities remind me so much of each other. Um, now it's fantastic. And it, you know, it's funny because when I started going to CrossFit, I'm, I'm, I'm a real kind of focused kind of person. So when I go to the gym, I didn't, I didn't want to talk to other people. And when I stopped really competing and doing that, I really enjoy it now. And I found my, my, like my coach, my executive coach that I work with, um, I met him through an investment group, but he goes there. My wife, she started off on like the personal training side and then started to, she's like, everybody's like, she's got to do, come do class. And I mean, she's, she gained, she put on 10 pounds of muscle, wow. didn't gain a, didn't gain a pound. I mean, she just, she's done some competitions now locally okay. and she loves it and she loves the community and it's been, it's been great. And then our boys, they're now eight and 10. Like when I started going, you know, they were like three and one and like my older son, you know, he comes in and he's like, oh yeah, like he does CrossFit with us on Saturdays. He's 10. And he smokes us on the run. <laughs> and I got one day, I was like, hey, go climb the rope. Like, I'll give you a quarter. And he got to 20. And I was like, I'm not, I only have five bucks. Like, you got to stop. So That's it's, it's pretty, it's like, they, they just, it rubs off on them, you know? It's so great. It's a slippery slope. But what a great thing for a young human to see and kind of build those patterns. Yeah. Um, so I was great. a collegiate athlete. I wish I would have had it sooner. Um, you played lacrosse. Was it lacrosse? Lacrosse, yeah. 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 It would have supplemented our training greatly. Yeah. Oh yeah. But and that's what my older son, he's he started playing lacrosse a couple of years ago and oh he just he just loves it. So, you know, for him to you know, to do some running and some strength, like he'll he'll do a twenty five pound barbell and 
or, or we'll have him use a medicine ball instead of, you know, if he's doing like thrusters or something, you know, so he can mimic the movement. Um, but he's a little, he's a little stud and it's so good. You know, it's just so good for them to learn those movements and how to take care of yourself, you know? Totally, the practice of discipline. So. And I will say, and we're going to, because I want to make time for you, but when um, yeah. Josh was, or Jordan was just saying about uh, networking, yeah. I've had so many deals yeah. that have come through the gym completely unintentional and that I've kept in touch with and have become long time yeah. like business associates. And it's, it's, it's a, it's a phenomenal yeah. for another varsity group. Yeah. It takes a, a certain person and, where we are in Asheville, it's not, there's not a really strong professional community okay. because you have a lot of entrepreneurs, but it's such a service-based tourism city and you have a lot of retirees. You don't get a lot of people like in our demographic that are, you know, that are really high performers, but you get a lot of that crossover in the gym. So what happens is you have people, you know, that are in our demographic, they're in the gym, they're entrepreneurs, they're doctors, you know, they're showing up at 9am, you know, cause you know, not a lot of people can just show up and do a CrossFit class at nine and like, Oh, what do you do? And why are you here putting your body through this and it takes a special person. So it's, it's been pretty cool to uh, build that community. I love that. I love it. I and mean, this is how CrossFitters flow. We talk about fitness all the day. Um, right. but give me, give me the full background. I'm so excited. I have yeah. not read this book in full transparency, but I've had it sitting out actually in my kitchen where I cook. So you can see like where I had like, cooks. <laughs> so it's like, it's literally been my agenda. Good, um, good. Yes. I'm glad it's getting good use. I'm, I'm here for it. Uh, but give us like, give us how, you know, the beginning, your young self to maybe college and then how you got here. Yeah. So thanks. Thanks for that, Kristen. So I wrote, I wrote the book Next Level Income a couple of years ago as an ebook and it really started off. It was uh, it was a series of blog posts that I started writing, and I put an outline together. It just came together, turned into a book, and then we just had it published here earlier this year. Um, so if if anything we talked about today resonates, people can go on our website nextlevelincome.com, click on book, and get a free copy. And it outlines you know starting off kind of my story. My father died when I was five years old. My mother remarried, um, had a great influence um, from my my stepfather and my mother. Uh, but like most people, I was taught you know go to school, get good grades, you know get a good job. And everybody said, oh, you're going to be an engineer like your grandfather, who was a chemical engineer. Well, he got laid off at 55. He was a great engineer, but he didn't know how to play office politics. And I remember thinking like, why do I want to be like my grandfather if he basically got fired at 55? Now, he, he retired to a farm and lived to be 95 years old. So pretty, pretty great second career, if you ask me. Um, but I actually did go to school to become an engineer. But what I really wanted to do was race bicycles. And I started racing when I was 14 years old. I was state champion at 15. Uh, I was uh, top five in the nation in college. I was collegiate All-American. Uh, I was a category one cyclist, which is the, the level of amateur you need to be before you can uh, take out a pro license. I got to train with Lance Armstrong, got to race against the likes of George Hincapi, Chris Horner, Levi Leipheimer, all this generation that unfortunately is now kind of associated with kind of the dark history of cycling during that period. Yeah. Um, but that being said, it was, it was a really, was, I had a really great experience and that's what I wanted to do. I just want to jump on that, not to interrupt you, but as a yeah. crossfitter and obviously, you know, drugs, yeah. conversation, they don't want to say that it is, but it is. Mm -hmm. uh, when you've been doing, oh, yeah. I've been doing this since 2008 and I have women that I've trained alongside that are still making yeah. 20, 15, 30 pound gains. And it's like, okay. But, um, but I will say yeah. this, even when you're on steroids or whatever, you're still doing the work. So I'm not here to advocate for yeah. drugs at all, but I just that's want to right. say for, you know, Lance, you guys, and I'm not saying you do drugs or anything, but. I but didn't. anyone that did, that did do it, you still do all the training. Like it's still, you have to have the genetics and the talent 
the drugs add, but people don't see that side of it. Again, not that I'm advocating, but I just want to put that out there. No, and I think it's, you know, it really, we have to discuss this for other generations to understand it. And for people that are outside of different sports, and I, I tell a story that I'm standing there talking to my neighbor's father one day, and we had a shared driveway. I'm standing there talking to Steve, and he made some comment about how dirty cycling was. And I pulled my car keys out. And I said, I'll tell you what, Steve. I said, you can have my car if you can look me straight in the eye and tell me that you think NFL players are cleaner than cyclists that are tested any hour of any day and have to give their blood. And he stared at me, Kristen, and he just kind of stared off into space and I put my keys back in my pocket. And the point is, yes, you have to do the work, but I think no matter if it's sports and you've seen it in CrossFit, business, I've seen it in business, we hear about the stories in business, politics, whatever it is, if you're at a high level, there are going to be people that are going to take shortcuts or, or, you know, if you look at Lance Armstrong, I think he did everything in his power to be the best that he could be. Unfortunately, there was a cultural influence that was occurring, but you're right. Like if you look at Lance or Floyd Landis or any of these guys, like Floyd put his training statistics on the internet and you could see what he was doing. So you, you knew like he was, he was training just as hard or harder than everybody else. And he was talented. Um, and again, it, it's not, it's, it's a ugly side of sports, but it is a reality, unfortunately. Um, and it, it allows people to achieve, you know, a greater level. Um, and, but I think there's a lesson and that's what I, I tell my sons, you know, boys, like I want, I want sports to mean something to you. We were talking about, you know, lacrosse earlier. My older son is super competitive, loves lacrosse, but I, I tell him that there are going to be people that cheat, that take shortcuts. And, you know, if you're one of those people, it's, it's going to come back to bite you. And, you know, you just have to realize that if you put all your eggs in that basket and somebody beats you, that's cheating, you know, you don't want to be that person. So what happened to me was I was seeing people coming back from Europe that were racing at these levels that were a higher level than me, more talented than me. And I decided I didn't want to make that choice. And between my freshman and sophomore years, my best friend, my training partner, my roommate, Chris Strader died, had a brain hemorrhage. And I raced for another year after that, but I was depressed and I didn't want to be in school. I just wanted to ride my bike and I was winning a ton of races, uh, but I wasn't happy. And I, I quit, I quit cycling or quit racing competitively. And, you know, I, I had to kind of figure out what I wanted to do. And the, the nice thing was I had this desire for freedom from cycling. I wanted to have the freedom to race my bike. You don't make a lot of money in cycling. So I was looking, I was an entrepreneur. I was always looking for other ways to make money. I was day trading and as a junior in college during the nineties. So I was making like $5,000 a month day trading in college, but there were some days, some months I was losing thousands of dollars and I was laying there at 3am one morning and I was thinking, man, if I'm, twice this age, if I'm in my forties, do I want to be feeling this way? And the answer was no. So I did research, read 250 books on investing finance, ended up getting an MBA in portfolio management. But what I found along the way was real estate investing. And that's what next level income is about. And I, I say how to make, keep and grow your money using the holy grail of real estate to achieve financial independence. And what next level income is, we're a platform to teach the strategy of how to make more money, and we, we share insights on our podcast, through our blog, how to keep more money through tax strategy, through specialized um, strategies and life insurance uh, contracts and that sort of thing. And then ultimately, how to grow your money through investing. And that's 
that's what the platform is built on. I have a real, real love and desire to share uh, what we do in real estate, specifically uh, multifamily right now, real estate. Well, um, and I'm a branding professional, so I have to give you props on the monopoly pieces. Uh, I think, I don't know how strategic that was, but I think it's kind of a, a good, looks like a simple play, but a, probably an in-depth piece. Um, yeah. And it, it's a monopoly piece. Uh, play. It, indeed. And you're putting in the hotel around the houses, so I'm just, I'm here for all that. Uh, and did you, by chance, get to meet Kevin Jugan? One of the other- I'm not. Okay, you got, I'll have to connect you guys. He was my first cast, and he does- uh, focus on real estate. I don't think anything's similar, but similar conversation of an intentional use of income, being a good person, and then being forthright in your pursuits of money. I love that you have that sports background so you can insert integrity and the competitive piece alongside your financial journey. That's, you know, obviously similar to the sports journey. Um, but I would really, really love is in this pandemic arena, we're all kind of questioning a better way. And we have this new mm-hmm awakening of how, you know, I want to make money, but how do I really want to spend my life? If we have, if our time like land is finite, uh, what, what really matters? Um, and how can we do this through something we want to do and have long-term generational wealth? And I, I'm, I got my real estate license in 2000, shoot eight. I never kept up on it, but that was kind of the goal. I want to get back into it because I, I'm here for this conversation. I believe in it. And I think it's one of the best ways to make your money grow how what was your first play into getting into real estate like we got out of college it sounds like you got your mba how did real estate cross your path what was the first step into it yeah so i actually bought my first property at 21 so that year um when i was after laying in bed at 3 a.m i was 20 and the next year i bought my first property um it was a townhouse in blacksburg virginia where i went to college at virginia tech and then and you said I saw that. I saw that. Yeah. Um, not too far away. And we lived in Arlington, Virginia. So yeah, we were, we were right down the road. Yeah. Dude, Blacksburg is amazing. We played tech, but anyways, carry on. Oh yeah. Awesome. Um, I'd ask the year, but you, that's, we won't do that. Um, I graduated in 2003, but should have been four. Uh, I mean, I graduated in 2004, should have been three, but I turned my I was there when you played, I was there when you played Virginia Tech. Oh, well, I'm sure you were at a women's lacrosse game. (laughs) Cheering them on. I know, I know. (laughs) It's more I didn't know we had a women's lacrosse team. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, So, yeah, so the, you know, if if you look at the houses in the, in the book, um, you know, really it's a, it's a, it's a hotel on the book cover and it is the monopoly pieces. But for me, after I acquired my portfolio of single family rentals, we ultimately took that and leveraged that into a multifamily commercial real estate portfolio, which, you know, hotels are commercial real estate. Um, but yes, yeah, so I bought my first property at 21 Kristen, bought the place next door, kind of made my own little six unit um, apartment out of that, bought another property, another property, another property. And my goal and my plan initially was to have a portfolio of properties that net expenses would put $10,000 a month in my pocket. Um, now that doesn't include debt service, but I figured if I can go get a high paying job, I could pay off the properties, kind of roll, just continue to roll that money in. I figured it'd take me 10 or 15 years and then I'd, I'd be financially independent. And you know, my wife and I, we, we hit that mark at 38, but along the way I learned a lot of stuff and that's why we found a next level income. It's to share the lessons that I learned so I can help accelerate the process for other people. And you touched on something. You know, you wanna, you wanna invest and you wanna treat money like the ultra rich do. And there's a lot of financial education out there, but it really focuses on 
you know, what the middle, what works for the middle class, pay off your debt, put money in your 401k, save in your 529 plan for your, for your kid's college, you know, pay off your credit cards. Well, I have news for listeners. You don't save your way wealthy. You can save your way secure, but you can't save your way wealthy. So to get to be wealthy, you have to have capital to invest and then you have to grow your money at rates that far exceed what inflation is going to be. And that's our goal is to teach people how to invest like the wealthy and help you accelerate your learning curve. Uh, it, yes. And that's, you know, the generational wealth piece. And that's where we kind of get it. Absolutely. What our current conversation is around race and equality. And we've got to dig into these pockets around finances and nutrition and opportunity and really unpack yes. it. Um, we'll stay in this lane for today because I know we don't have limited time. How at yeah. 21 did you have this vision? I mean, that's, you know, you're 21, kids are at bars, you're into cycling. How did you have this vision to have, you know, if you're making, I think you said 5k a month at 60 grand a year as a, as a collegiate human, uh, that's phenomenal. I think I had like, you know, $20 set aside for like Natty Light in college. And that was like my financial awareness. Um, <laughs> how did you have that awareness at 21? Was that from your family or what was the story there? Yeah, I, that's, that's a good question. It's something that I really didn't consider for a while. And then as now we have children and we've talked to, you know, different professionals and I'll even say some therapists along the way in different capacity, it, it really, it, it, it caused me to reflect and one of the things that I learned along the way is that losing a parent when you're young has a real imprint on a person. And really, I think the easiest way to describe it is, you know, young people, they think time is infinite, right? And anybody knows if something is infinite, if you divide infinity by a number, it's still infinity. When time becomes finite, what happens is you really achieve a value for time. And I think when you're young and you lose a parent, what happens is your brain says, time is very valuable. And I knew that instinctively when I was younger from, I think from the loss of my father. But what really happened to me, Kristen, is when Chris died, I thought, holy cow, what if I died tomorrow? Would I be happy? Would I have really done what I'm meant to do and really had the impact on the world? So when people look at me, they're like, how do you work 16 hours a day? How do you do this and do this and do this? And you ride your bike and you're, you know, and to me, when I get up in the morning, I have this feeling like somebody's tugging on my shirt. And if I don't have that feeling, it, like my wife, she looks at me, she's like, are you all right? Like, you're just kind of chilling out. You know, if I don't have a plan, she's like, are you like, are you feeling okay? So I, I have this like pull that's ex almost external that like drags me through my life at, at a speed that, you know, tends to push pull me along. Um, so, you know, I, I had this desire to be financially independent because I didn't want to have the burden or the lack of opportunity to choose the options that I knew um, you know, I wanted to have. I wanted to live life on my own terms. I wanted to have an impact. And, you know, I did have my father uh, was an entrepreneur. He was a salesperson. He had real estate. So maybe there's a genetic component to that as well. But I think, you know, I'm I'm grateful that I've had some experiences that have kind of shaped me in this way. Unfortunately, they've been, they've been very challenging. Um, and then I think I'm also, I'm also grateful for probably some, you know, of the, the uh, genetic component, you know, the nature versus nurture, if you will. Sure. Oh, I love that. That's a podcast in itself right there. Uh, particularly in this day and age with social media and its influencers, that's kind of where my passion piece lies about disrupting some of this noise. Um, but yeah. I, I, 
I really agree with you. I think that uh, how you grew up, you know, your environment around you really matters. But that deep loss, while it's tragic and, you know, I would wish that on anyone, the, the bright side I think you can pull from it is, you know, this realization, you get your feet on the ground. I think there's some deep perspective that happens. Uh, we had a good friend, and I've never compared this to a father or a best friend, but I had a, a good friend, Becky Consulman. I don't know if you know, uh, master's athlete, games athlete. Uh, she's founded Faith Rx brain aneurysm at uh, 44, super healthy. And, you, you know, it just puts this tangible piece almost around time that it is kind of staring yeah. us in the face every day. Uh, and you have to make your, your time and energy count. And it's not just about making money. You start to care about impact. Um, it's great to see our young right. people leaning into that. But it also, but you know, when you do have income and you do have these things and you can breathe a little bit more and have a little bit more space and learn to relax have you been good about like you practice being still because i identify with your go 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 mode um and i've had to learn to zen out <laughs> i do so uh, i started working with um a doctor about four years ago to optimize my health and you know i went in i went through um like a dozen different tests they do brains they do they analyze your brain waves, your breathing, your blood work, your diet, um, your body composition. They scan your, you know, your vessels and everything. And, you know, I, I wanted my father, my grandfather had um, Alzheimer's before he passed away. And, but he lived to be, like I said, into in his uh, mid nineties. So I was like, okay, all my grandparents, it's interesting. I lost my um, parents very young, but all my grandparents lived into their nineties and my grandmother's still alive. And she's in her 90s. So I thought, okay, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna live to be, I want to be in at least 122. I want to see the year 2100. I need to take care of myself. So I go to my doctor. I go through all these tests. I sit down, and he goes, "All right, I have a prescription for you." I was like, "Okay, I don't take any drugs. I don't, you know, I wasn't even. I don't think taking supplements at that time." Um, he goes, "I want you to start meditating." So I was like, "Meditate." I was like, "That's in, that's curious." So I, I learned to start meditating. So what I do now, I've been doing this uh, consistently since October, 2016. I get up every morning. That's the first thing I do. Um, after making my tea is I sit down and I, I meditate for 15 to 20 minutes. Some days it's better than others. Some days it's two minutes. Some days it's, you know, 25 or 30 minutes. Some days I do it, you know, twice a day. Um, but really, you know, when I'm, when I get to the point where almost like a sports car, um, you know, the revs are too high, Kristen, I take a moment, you know, before a podcast like this, I breathe for two, five minutes, and it's usually enough to, to get my brain back to where it needs to be. I don't need the help in, in revving that engine. I need, I need the ability to, to bring it down so that, you know, I can allow my, my brain to focus and be where it needs to be. Yeah, no, I'm such an advocate of, um, well, mental health and wellness in general, uh, meditation, I think, is huge. I, I was better about it. I got to get back into it. And I just use headspace, simple practices. And it is very yeah. much practice. Like, you can have really good days and then really tough days. You can't focus. But centering that mind. And I've actually done some brain mapping and some neuro performance stuff. And we could go down that route. But it's all really great intel. And if you have any opportunity to do therapy, um, talk therapy, mental coaching, anything like that, I think is such an advantage. I think usually that only happens when you've had major trauma or major loss, loss, unfortunately, but some of those skills you can gain early on about your mental health and wealth, uh, is it's, it serves everything. Um, you know, your, your, friends, your family, it's, it's a critical life skill. 
Yeah, I don't I don't talk about this a lot. I was actually on a podcast, which I, I encourage anybody that's experienced, you know, significant loss or grief to take a listen to. It's called Guards Down. And uh, my friend Greg does a great job of, you know, really destigmatizing, you know, therapy and talking about loss. And I, I was fortunate. I had a good friend when I was 25. She she pointed me in the in the direction of a of a good therapist. Um, but I would think of it. It's like anything in life. Like you want to achieve a high level, you have a coach. You know, if you're an athlete, I have an executive coach. You know, for my for my professional life, um, why not have somebody that can provide that feedback? You know, if anybody's a fan of the the show Billions on Netflix, I don't you know, look at. Yeah. Well, there's a therapist that is there in the hedge fund that helps the employees and basically pull, you know, pull their mental constraints away from them. So I would, I would think of it like that for anybody that thinks you're weak. If you go to a therapist or, um, you know, it's not worth it. There can't be any help. If, if you do have any challenges or you've experienced anything that, you know, is, is hurting your relationships or your ability to really achieve optimum performance, you know, you should, I would highly advocate just taking a look into it. And that's the way even my wife and I look at it now. It's really, it's really a tool to enable us to have the best life that we can have, to be the best parents that we can have, uh, or be the best parents that we can be for our children. And I'm, I'm a big fan. I think it's, it's a, it's a tool in the arsenal that we use to achieve our highest performances, uh, human beings. I completely agree. And I think it's a critical conversation at this point in time um, because, you know, making money, being successful, taking care of yourself is huge, but a, you need to get to know yourself to reach self actualization and regardless of money, be happy and be a product productive member of society, which we really re need right now. So we can get Absolutely. along, you know, stimulate equality on a real level, um, open up our minds and, any, any stigma, though, that it has been around therapy, I really do see it starting to fade, and I see our young humans uh, open to meditating. I don't know if you've seen uh, the mask yeah. they wear, or mask we wear, with the young boys meditating. It's um, basically the shame around men and emotion, and they're like talking about how important it is for young men to be able to be emotional. And they go through this course, and there's a young kid meditating. He's showing his dad that just got out of jail how to meditate. I mean, so it's all I'm saying is the generation awesome. are open-minded to a new way of doing things. Um, and it's critical. Yeah. I remember, um, and you may recall the name I'm, I'm blanking on his name. Um, but he was a music producer. He's a rapper and he came out, uh, five or 10 years ago and started talking about meditation. Oh, right. um, Russell Simmons. I'm sure it's, it's gotta be. Yeah. Good. Russell Simmons. Thank you. Yeah. It was Russell Simmons. And yeah, I mean, you look at, uh, and you know, you know, you look at specific demographics and, you know, specific stigmas around certain things. And I mean, I'll say as a man, like you don't, you're not like, oh, I'm going to go see a therapist. I'm going to meditate. That's just not something you hang out with your, you know, buddies drinking a beer and watching the football game and talk about typically. So to have somebody like Russell Simmons go out there and talk about the benefits of it. Um, even now, my, my two boys, they watch a, a YouTube channel with, uh, he's, he's a, a younger African-American uh, guy and, and he walks them through meditation. And I, I walk in and here our nanny is sitting there with my two boys, you know, two months ago, you know, having this guided meditation. I look at the screen and I'm like, the dude's wearing like, a, you know, a sideways baseball cap. And, I, you know, maybe it maybe it's a bad stereotype, but that wasn't the first person I, I pictured, you know, doing that. But I think it's phenomenal that you know, we now have uh, these influences that are, you know, having, you know, my two young boys, you know, learn such a life skill that, you know, it took me, you know, three and a half decades to pick up. 
well it was it's new conversation even now that's why i love to see all walks of life having we're kind of getting back to like the very very old school way of life you know back in you know deep like asian history you know we're a little late to the game on a lot of things here in america but you know, we're getting back to like these really old school practices of stop doing so much, appreciate more. Like we're, we're seeking yeah. happiness in all the wrong ways. Um, yeah. But that's great to hear that that is conversation happening in your household and with young humans because that's where it all starts. Um, yeah. Tell well now, tell me how do you how does some of this practice? Uh, sorry, I'm jumping here, but I will say like you just said, it's like coaching. Like any good athlete, if anyone has stigma around it, I guarantee you they have phenomenal mental health coaches. Um, the dial in every avenue. So if, if you're a fan of Serena Williams or, you know, Lance Armstrong back in the day or Michael Jordan, don't ever think the mental game wasn't a huge piece of the overall. Nope. Um, nope. But uh, I lost my train of thought a little bit getting into the Michael Jordan. I'm a huge fan of him. Did you watch the um, series that just came out? We did. And my boys watched it. And yeah, and he's, there's a great book that his trainer wrote um, and it's called Relentless. And it talks about you know, how he's a cleaner, like he just gets the job done. And he's, he's just, there are people that are wired differently. And, you know, you and I probably know a lot of those people in, in the sports arenas. <laughs> you know, this is true. Uh, how does, so how does the mental and all that, how does your sports game complement, you know, the business game now? Are you with, I don't know if you guys have a team of employees, but do you insert some of this mental practice and awareness and whatnot through your financial situation? Uh, not 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 necessarily explicitly, um, you know, with with the team and those sorts of things. Um, but you know, most certainly, you know, there's certain practices uh, that we talk about. But I think the big thing is, you know, from a personal perspective, you know, what I learned from cycling is it's the discipline, it's the the ability to to develop a strategy based on data that's out there. What we do is we develop a strategy based on the data to identify target markets and and target communities that we're looking to buy. And then we execute on that strategy. And a hundred times out of a hundred, it never goes as planned. You know, I always, I always tell investors when they're looking at a pro forma, I can basically only guarantee one thing while we're talking about a pro forma. It's something's going to be wrong in this pro forma because things just don't work out the way we always plan. I think it's, that's what's very valuable as an athlete is, you know, not every day works out you plan to go for a five hour ride and it's pouring rain and lightning out. Well, you're not riding outside that day probably. So you have to adjust, you know, you get injured, you have to adjust, you have something happen to a teammate, you have to adjust. And I think um, what I've really learned, Kristen, to kind of blend the two is that when you have one of these frustrations, you can't let it get the better of you. And by having some of these tools now to to stay calm, to be level-headed, what happens is you can, one, make better decisions, but also, two, you can help maintain those relationships or diffuse situations. I was on a team call a couple days ago. um, We're having some logistics issues. And, you know, there was was some pretty hot tempers and things devolved and it was, you know, gotten to some negative stuff. And... I was able to diffuse that situation and redirect the energy into something positive because, you know, it doesn't take a lot of intelligence or energy to complain about something. It takes a lot of effort, intelligence, discipline to focus on being calm and staying focused on, on changing a situation, especially if you're suffering, you know, financially or personally from a negative aspect that may be in someone else's control. Yeah, I think that's huge. I mean, again, these are all life skills that are incredible. We talked about this on a couple other casts. I wish some of these 
life skills were in our younger humans curriculums, maybe even at elementary school, where you talk about mental health, finances, nutrition for real. Um, Absolutely. You know, some of the stuff that we had to learn now in 30s and 40s, when it's like, hmm, this would have been good, even as competitive athletes, you know, we didn't really follow nutrition in college. So, you know, it's, it's great that you can now, you know, present this in your business. I know Google is actually doing um, mental health and wellness. They've got certain things. I heard Amazon's doing some stuff. Uh, some of these like younger uh, CEOs and whatnot are implementing some of these more forward thinking strategies for like whole human optimization. Um, but even just as a parent, I think inserting in your home so your kiddos can see it. I think that's, you know, generational mental health and wealth, if you will. Um, that's where like, the real change happens. What, um, do you have the, any of the family involved in the business right now? Like, do, are you pretty open with them as far as like finances, investing and everything? Yes. Yeah, so we, we talk about money. Um, we, we don't necessarily talk about like how much we make and cause it's, it's a challenge cause you know, kids at certain ages, they, they like to talk about different things. Um, like one of, one of my son's friends came up to me last year and he goes, are you rich? And I said, I looked him dead in the eye. I said, yes. And he just kind of didn't know what to say. But it's like, yeah, like I consider I consider us rich, especially when you consider that if you live in America, you're probably in the top 1% of the population worldwide. I'd say every American is actually rich if you look at us from a world perspective. Um, I, I didn't go into it with, with him, um, but you could, you could apply that, you know, pretty, pretty broadly. So kind of from a specific perspective, Kristen, um, you know, if they ask, hey, dad, how much did this apartment building cost? And I say, oh, it's, you know, it's $50 million. And they're just like, 50 million. It's like, well, how do you buy it? I said, well, we get a group together and we all pull our money together. It's kind of like a team. And you know, I'll tell them how much we put in individually. Um, but what we do to teach them, we have a couple things that we've done. Um, I read a book by, I think he was the CEO of Boeing. Um, I may be mixing a couple, uh, a couple up, so I'm not going to, not going to quote exactly who it is, but he said for his kids, he got some accounting ledgers and he would write in the accounting ledgers, their allowance, and then they'd have deductions if they, you know, uh, were disrespectful or did something or bought something. So we started doing that. So we pay our kids a $1 a day salary. So that's their salary. Um, and our rule, as I talk about in the book, our family rules, we save 50%. So what we do is every month we go to the bank. And now it's been a little less than that here with the uh, COVID crisis going on. We skipped it a couple months. Um, but whatever they put in the bank, I'll match that. So that's kind of helping to incentivize them to save. Um, but then they also work for our businesses. So they earn, they earn a, a small salary for that, but I put that, I direct that immediately into a Roth 401k that I've set up for them. And then every month they get their statement. So my young son came in yesterday and he had, he opened it up and I said, look, I said, well, how much have you made this year? And he's like, his eyes popped out because he saw how much, what the return was. And I said, well, how much did you make, you know, from your allowance? And he's like, well, you know, he adds it up. He's like, oh, well, it was $180 this year. And this number was nearly a multiple of that. And I said, that's investing. So if you ask my boys, Kristen, what's investing? They say, it's money working for you. And how much do you save? They say 50%. So we, you know, we live, you know, we live the lessons that we talk about at Next Level Income. We talk freely about money in a respectful manner. And then we also try to teach our boys things. And I'm working on a project right now uh, with a local nonprofit uh, that's called Open Doors of Asheville. If anybody wants to check them out, please do. Open Doors of Asheville, they're a phenomenal organization. Their mission is to shrink the gap between those in poverty and those not 
shrink the education gap. So I'm working with them to put together a financial education program because, you know, I believe that if you master your financial life, you know, especially at an early age before you go into debt, student debt, credit card debt, you have so many more options. You have better health. You have better education. You live longer. You, I mean, it, the list goes on and on and on and it compounds. When we talk about multi-generational wealth, if you have more money, not only can you accumulate more money, but if you live longer, you can compound that money longer. And then ultimately you can teach your, you know, younger generations, the same lessons. And if we really want to do something about poverty and equality in this country, I believe we have to start with that financial mindset because that is the number one thing that's correlated around the world with all these things that we really care about. So let's just be honest, you know, with one another. And I'm trying to do something here locally about that myself. Good for you. I love, I love the nonprofits. I, like I said, I think it, I'm passionate about it starting in the home because people are like, maybe I can't do nonprofit, whatever. So I'm so glad that's happening. And then now it's the next level outside of the home um, in a local nonprofit where you can be really hands-on. And I agree. The financial piece is, I think it's like mental health. It's a little taboo to talk about. It's really not anymore. And I encourage uh, women in particular to ask for more money, uh, to say what you're getting paid so you know you're not getting paid equally. Um, but shifting that mindset around finances of like, okay, let's talk about it because it is a problem. And if you don't, it's, you know, like Maslow's hierarchy, if you don't have certain boxes checked, you can't move up. And finances, yeah. you eat and sleep and live is like step number one. Um, yeah. it's, it's a huge, huge box to check. And yeah. uh, it, it, it's critical. Um, how old are your kiddos? Just so I know. Yeah. Two boys, eight and 10. Oh, okay. So they're, what is that? Elementary school? And Yeah. So they'll be, they'll be going into grades three and five this coming year, assuming we go back. All right. Well, maybe at one point you'll be consulting with like school boards and whatnot. And yeah, I hope so. Yeah. We're, uh, no, I think again, you know, I look back, it's like, wow, you know, getting an MBA in finance and thinking like, wow, there's so much, there's so much that you can take and you can apply it at, at a much younger age. So I, I really, I have a, I have a strong desire to have this implemented as part of the curriculum in school. Cause it's not fair that my kids get to learn about it and um, you know, others don't. So I think we can, you know, I, I'm looking forward to doing a lot more in that space. I, I completely agree. And I will offer this unsolicited, you know, suggestion, but if you were doing finance, Please. humans record it and put it on YouTube for parents. I think it would be yeah. awesome. Like even what you just said about uh, the allowance, I think that'd be phenomenal feedback. I'm not a parent. I have two dogs and hopefully a third soon, but I, I would, if I, I think YouTube is such a phenomenal source. If you want to seek education yeah. outside of traditional means, I think those would be incredible conversations for, for parents to really lean in and be like, all right, you're the expert here. What do, what do I say to my kid? Um, I like that. We could, yeah, perhaps we could do a, a concordant, you know, um, kind of program with YouTube so we can give a, give the resource to the parents yeah. alongside the, uh, the lessons with students. And that'd be, you know, we're, we're using all the tools to do these podcasts. So it's pretty easy. I love it. We're here. We're here. And we're trapped inside anyways. I just know so many parents are leaning yeah. into it as, as far as uh, conversations around race and what they do with their kiddos. Yeah. It's not obviously happening in school. So, um, I know they're out there doing it with exercise. So there's that. Uh, we got yeah. one more minute. Give me any closing advice. I love that we I know we talked a little bit about the book and then there's way more to dig in here, but I'll put all your information up. I love that we really got to unpack the human behind the message. I think that's critical, particularly for my audience. Uh, but give us one parting note, advice, good story, anything you want. Yeah. So first, if what, what we've talked about today resonates, go to our website, nextlevelincome.com. Get your free copy of the book at book. You can click on all the links and check out our resources there. I would say do not be afraid to reach out 
and find a mentor. If you find somebody or you see somebody in your life that you respect and you'd like to follow in their footsteps or they've achieved what you want to achieve, reach out to them. Don't be shy. If you need help, don't be shy. It's amazing how much people are willing to give, especially if you ask them about the path that they've had. And it's, I, I think I've just found in my life how much people are willing to share to people that you know, want to help themselves. Completely agree. Build the right team, streamline some process where you can, uh, and just connect to people in general, I think is critical. Where do you give us websites, social media handles, anything? I'll, I'll list it, but sometimes people are listening in the car. Give us your uh, yeah. points. Absolutely. Super easy. Nextlevelincome.com. It's going to have links to all of our resources, our podcast, our blog, our book, how to learn more about our investments, as well as our, our specific life insurance strategies to how to keep more of your hard-earned money as well. I love it. I'm going to read this and we'll keep in touch and I'll give you my honest feedback and review. Uh, finances has not been, it's, I, I wouldn't say it's not a strong suit, but I wouldn't label it as a strong suit. So this is like my gymnastics of uh, CrossFit. I can do the heavy lifting, but this. <laughs> well, I look forward to hearing your feedback, Kristen. And you know, I would love to have any other conversations that I can around that space as well. I love it. We'll keep in touch. Um, let me know if there's anything helpful from my end. Again, I'm passionate about the finance piece, particularly amongst our young humans. So if anything yeah. is helpful from my end or Timberkin Tequila, please feel free to reach out and let's definitely keep in touch. That'd be terrific. And so where are you? You're in Colorado. I'm in Denver, um, five minutes outside the city in North Denver. All right. We're, we're there. We're there pretty frequently. So my wife, uh, she used to live in Littleton, went to school yeah. in Boulder. We still have good, good friends in Boulder. Um, my uncle lives in uh, Glenwood Springs. I'm sorry, in um, Carbondale, in between Glenwood Springs and Aspen. Um, my son was supposed to be, my older son was supposed to be last week at a, at a, uh, at a ski camp out there. But obviously that got, that got canceled. Um, so we get out there a couple times a year. And uh, yeah. You know, I built out this studio, it's, which ironically, of course, come COVID, we're not doing that. It's all now Zoom. Yeah. yeah have you ever had right. time bring in your wife and kids if they want to get on the mic? I'd be more than happy yeah. to talk about uh, family and finance or anything. The in-person I mean, I love this. With the in-person stuff, yeah. so oh. have a drink and a laugh and it'd be great. That sounds great. And then we'll yeah. or do a CrossFit workout before or after. Oh, yeah, I got a home gym. It's a, I mean, it's tiny, Sweet. but we definitely we can fit it all in, dude. Seriously. <laughs> awesome. I love it. I'd love for you to meet my family. That'd be fantastic. Yeah, I love it too. And thank you so much for this. I, I hope that's- Oh, really absolutely. Cool. I'll have to pick your brain at some point as far as like yeah. publishing, because I know that's a jungle and yeah. and um, uh, distribution, but um, I'll, I might follow up on that as well. Oh, please. Yeah. And I, we can, uh, we got a couple minutes here. So, um, I'm part of this, uh, it's called strategic coach and I go there and the guy that started it, Dan Sullivan, he's 75 and he said, I'm going to publish a hundred books before I turn a hundred. He's 75 years old. So that's one a quarter. Okay. And I'm like looking at the company he uses. I'm like, this is interesting. So I'd written this ebook and I'm looking at this company. It's called 90 minute book. And you can, you can do a transcript of the book and they'll write it for you essentially. So I called him up and I said, Hey, I'm like, I'm really interested in what you guys do. I said, but I, I already have a, like a, an, an ebook. They said, Oh, no big deal. They're like, we can publish it for you. So it took them six weeks to edit and publish it. And they put it on Amazon. I'm actually recording. I'm in the middle of recording the audio version right now uh, to have an audible uh, component to it. And you know, I, I, it's, I've sold a few copies, Kristen, but my goal is really to distribute as many as possible because if people read it, 
you know, it helps them. That's, that's part of my mission. And then if they, you know, if they feel it's a good fit for them from an investment perspective, they've already pre-vetted themselves. So what I do, I'll show you real quick. Can you see everything's blue? You got, you like that? Um, so I put the book in this pack. Whoop. There we go. It's kind of, I, I need to, I need to pop the, uh, anyway, so it cost me seven bucks to deliver a book to anybody. Um, but I think the, the return is, is well, well worth it when you look at, um, you know, if, if somebody, you know, joins our company and works with us. Oh, I think it's huge. And, uh, one the guy that did Podfest, I don't know if I mentioned that to them, that's worth checking out. If you just doing podcasts and stuff, Podcast. even yeah. if you're not, um, uh, a podcaster, it was amazing. Yeah. He wrote a book and then he gave it away free and he's like, if you yep. like it, buy it for somebody else and pass it on. And I think yeah. it sold really well. Um, yeah. as an unintentional, like on super selly marketing way, I think it's a phenomenal avenue. I really do. Yeah, no. And it's, you know, it's turned, it's really, um, you know, and your, your brand, I'd love to talk to you more about branding. Cause you know, we've kind of, kind of put some pieces together, but you know, we try to figure out, okay, how do I get, you know, how do I get inbound, you know, people that are inbound that are interested in becoming investors. So I'm spending my time producing content, or on the phone with people that want to learn how to invest or are actually about to invest. And really that's, you know, anything that I can put in place. So everything is designed to allow people to educate themselves, spread that message. Cause I can only have so many conversations a day to help people out. Right. And then ultimately people are, they're coming to me. So it's, it's, it's been, it's taken a couple of years, but it's like, it's finally working. And this is part of it. You know, people listen to podcasts and every time I go on a podcast, I get a big spike in my book requests. Oh, and so then that's, that's huge. Yeah. The podcast listenership is, yeah. still, it's still small. Um, oh. but I think your yeah. audience is, is going to evolve and it's going to get younger and younger, which is really exciting to see. And yeah. I think it's never to be overlooked that the slow and steady is really the way to go versus like blasting and all this money and, yeah. you know, lights. And then it's not really real on the, yeah. on the back end. Um, yeah. So, I'm a fan. I'm, 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 I'm excited to see where this grows and how the consumer uh, evolves a little bit and shifts from what it is right now. Yeah. Well, the whole, um, so we donated to this group. Our friend's son did a hundred mile run. He's 17. He ran a hundred miles to raise money for open doors. And I checked it out and we donated to him and I, I was talking to him and I was like, wow, this is like, this is great. I didn't know that they, they only work with minorities. It, it's not really explicit about that. So all this stuff's going on, you know, with, uh, you know, the protests and, and different things. And I'm not going to get into the, you know, political side, but you know, I look at people carrying around a, you know, a cardboard sign and my sons are like, what are they doing? Why are they putting spray paint here? Why are they hurting people? Why are they like, what does BLM mean? And we had a conversation about it. And I start talking to this group, just, just happened to coincide with this. And they told me what their mission was. And I was like, wow, do you guys have like a financial component to that? And I said, because I'm really passionate about educating people, but I don't do anything for children. Yeah. And they said, no, we don't. I was like, well, can we talk about that? So for me, it's turned into like, what can I do to impact the situation that we're in right now? And also show my children that like, I, I can go take them downtown and hold up a cardboard sign, but I don't know if that's achieving anything. Sure, sure. I know if we, if we teach people how to live better financially, how to get to college, you know, how to avoid debt, how to learn how to invest. I mean, if that, if you help one person a year that that person ultimately helps other people. I mean, to me, I feel like that's, that's what I'm meant to do at this time. So it's really, it's been very, uh, I don't know, it's kind of, kind of 
that self-actualization that you've talked about has started to come together this year for me. So this, and it started with the book. So I love it. And I mean, it sounds like universe is looking at, I mean, we can be so intentional as competitors, athletes, yeah. as entrepreneurs. Yeah. And you know, that the universe kind of pushes you in the right path. And you're like, I didn't even think about that, but I guess I'm yeah. here. Let's turn on the mic. So. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, this has been, I love your energy and I'm really, I saw, I saw it. I'm like, I'm like, really? I'm going to be on American tequila. I was like, <laughs> I was, like, I, I was I was not expecting that, but I do. Re I remember your smile and your energy from the last one and the, uh, and the turmeric and I was like, okay, so I, this has been, it's been tough for me today to, to be a part of the whole thing, but this has been, okay. this has been really cool. So thank you. What, what has been, we got to jump into the other room, but what has been the challenge yeah. about being in the mix of it? So I, I had some other stuff set up today that I couldn't, oh, gotcha. yeah, like meetings and stuff that I had to have happen. Um, and I like, I got to pick my son up at four o'clock today. So just some things. So I, like last time I was very, I was complete, but I looked at my schedule and I was like, well, I could, I could take part in it. And I talked to Eric and I'm like, I want to support you and do it. Um, so I said, I could either, I could either, you know, host or I can guest. And he said, well, he's like, we got a room, we got room for guesting. So I was like, I'm in, let's do it. Okay. Oh, I didn't even realize you, you have a podcast as well. I do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Then there you go. And then one thing I love is that I don't have really have a ton of background on when we do these cast specifically. So I'm kind of like, yeah. I don't know about you. Um, and I will say that you just said, I don't know like where I'm going to fit. My best casts are like, okay, I do, you know, real estate investing and you're turmeric and tequila. Really, we're just about the juxtaposition of being all things. So we always find common ground. Yeah. And usually as we unpack a little, it's like, oh, CrossFit and athlete and this and, you know, Lance yeah. and steroids. And so it, it always works out. Oh yeah. And you, you know, just the lessons that we learned. So let's stay in touch and okay, yeah. Yeah. We'd love I to meet. And then, sorry. I said, I appreciate it. Book. Absolutely. My pleasure. My yeah. pleasure. Yeah. Have a great week. weekend, Kristen. Thank you for joining Turmeric and Tequila with your host, Kristen Olson. Tune in next time and don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen.